Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thriving Minds podcast. I am Professor Selena Bartlett. Today, we're joined by Beth Tyson. She's a childhood trauma and consultant and expert, psychotherapist, mental health journalist, and children's book author. Thank you so much uh, for joining us once again on the podcast. Uh, we benefit so much from your experience in this space. And today we want to talk about uh, social media and screens and the struggle that parents are having uh, in this space. So welcome, Beth. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm happy to be here again to share with you. So I'm interested to know since the last time we spoke, obviously people can follow you on LinkedIn and you have a newsletter and you have a big following and 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 in your work. Is there anything you want to update us about what's happened for you over the last six months or so? Is there anything that's come to your attention that you would love to talk about? Yeah, so um, I'll be partnering with a new nonprofit that's called the TAR Network, T-A-R Network, and they are um, all about preventing and healing people who have experienced toxic, abusive relationships. So those of us that have found ourselves in some very unhealthy relationships, how do we, working on how do we um, start teaching children about those types of relationships early on so that we can sort of prevent and, um, and intervene at a younger age and empower them to make healthy relationship decisions, but also working with parents and adults uh, so that we don't create these, uh, you know, children who grow up to be abusive, um, toxic people. So how do we, how do we teach parents about the important pieces of attachment and you know preventing harm and preventing trauma and building trust and safety in our relationships so that we can, um, you know, hopefully have less toxic abusive people in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> And so I'll be collaborating with them to curate their teens and family, their teens, tweens, and family sections on their website. And it's just tarnetwork.org. So that's one new partnership that I've oh, been working on. And that's so interesting. Is that also in relation to cyberbullying and things like that? Where or children to are getting it to cyberbullying or how children get into hard relationships with friends at school and yes yes so my section for teens and tweens will focus on how do we um help children who have found themselves in these these tar these tar relationships because you know it starts young it's it's with the bullying whether it's online or in person and then of course around you know puberty children are starting to get into romantic relationships with one another and um, often fall into situations that are unhealthy. And so how do we do a better job of preparing children to make these types of decisions? Because oh, what a, what a they great really thing. can have a long, yeah, lifelong effects, right? Those early, your first, I mean, think about you, everybody knows, remembers their first love, right? It, because it's such an impactful experience that happens in our teen years and it stays with us forever. And if that's an unhealthy relationship, that initial one, then it can really create this snowball effect of, um, you know, ending up in repetitive, unhealthy relationships. So we want to try and intervene um, so if before you don't mind, that pattern. 
this is such yeah. a great topic, a tar relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So do you mind if we talk a bit and expand your knowledge in that area yeah. for the audience? Because yeah. I think that's actually yeah. brilliant because it's now becoming such that and this this kind of interweaves really nicely with my book being seen because uh, those relationships now are happening earlier and earlier for children and mm-hmm. online as well. So people off people that are much older, say 50, 60, are targeting five-year-olds online by pretending to be that age or whatever, on, and they're targeting them on gaming devices and Google Docs and calculator apps that look like they're normal apps on your phone but behind there. Yeah, so there's a whole lot of mechanisms that they've learnt how to lure this feeling in people at younger and a- younger ages and because of gaming devices becoming more hypersexualized and more information driven that's changing the hormones in children's brains they've just shown in research papers so what you're doing is so important it's not like it used to be it's a different game set we're playing in 2024 so this work is so critically important within this new place where all children are online so let's talk about what you know what can you just define yeah. what a tar relationship looks like? How you think the steps towards it happening, and then then we'll focus a little bit on about how you untar it. Yeah, right. Get out of the get unstuck from the tar. Um, I like the the tar uh, metaphor. You know, or now is it a metaphor or an analogy? I always get them mixed up. But you know, because you get stuck, you find yourself sort of stuck in these relationships that then you can't get out of or you become sort of bonded to and um and another so word the online, idea is kind of, another word online is called grooming by the way too yes there's a lot of that yes grooming okay. is yeah. um very scary and disturbing and and um all these topics yeah. are i mean it's hard to as a mom and uh, as somebody who has the best interests of children at the core of my being um it's it's hard to Except that these things are happening, but yes, grooming is another thing that yeah. parents really need to be aware of. Where, um, you know, there are people that will approach your child and give them gifts and give them compliments and sort of fill up their emotional bucket or their or even their materialistic bucket if they have one um, for things and for feelings and um, in an attempt to build their trust and gain their trust. And then once they have their trust, you know, they start asking for things first it's you know they'll ask for something small a favor you know different little things that they might ask for and then over time they sort of um feel the child feels obligated to do things for this person because they've given them so much and it's they're really using a sales tactic which um people have known about for a very long time but where if you the more you give somebody then they they automatically feel obligated to give back which is like why you see a lot of like companies and the corporations, they will like give away something free to you. And that actually that you'll see that the revenue will go up because once you give somebody something, the person, the person who receives it feels obligated to give you something back. And so um, these people who are grooming, these predators who are grooming children are using that tactic um, by giving the children things, whether it be emotional fulfillment or, or, um, or, or physical or material 
things um, in order to sort of activate that obligation for them to return something. And that something is usually uh, yeah. sexual in nature. Or, yeah. You know, some, something it's else. now pictures online too. That's, so that's another, so let's right. keep going into the, the tar relationships that you're going to be really exploring and helping. Yeah. So, so with the tar network, um, it was or is founded by a guy named Dr. Jamie, a friend of mine. And he is, he's been in, he's been a mental health professional in the, what would you say, in, in TV and, and in the uh, talk shows of the 90s. And now he's getting ready to sort of transition more into like a retirement phase, but wants to do this charity and is putting all of his heart and soul behind uh, creating something that can help prevent these toxic relationships from starting in the first place, but also a place to help people heal if they've found themselves stuck in tar. And what a toxic abusive relationship looks like is, you know, one that um, is probably based in, in a, you know, an unequal power dynamic where you have um, somebody who is controlling the relationship, you know, you hear a lot about narcissism and narcissistic abuse. And this is kind of similar. Um, I mean, not that we're diagnosing people by any means, but there's sort of some themes that come around people that are predatory and want to abuse other people. And they go through different patterns of behavior in relationships. And you can often unknowingly get sort of stuck in relationship with someone because at first they seem really normal and they seem like they really love you and care about you. Well, There's even a love, term called love, love bombing. Love bombing. <laughs> yes. Where they shower you with love and attention and gifts. It's kind of like grooming in a way. And then uh, once they sort of have you roped in and they believe that, you know, you're in love with them or you're committed to them, then they sort of start devaluating or devaluing you and your worth by maybe making some criticisms of you or saying, making jokes about you in public that are, you know, uh, sound like jokes, but aren't really like they can always say, Oh, I'm just kidding. Or, you know, they can cover up some of the abuse by saying, Oh, don't take it so serious. You're just too sensitive. And using some of those gaslighting techniques, these are people that want to control more than they want to love you. Um, and they get their need for, power from um controlling people and uh and and putting them down and, and treating them poorly so um children and adults can find themselves in these relationships whether it's with a friend or with a uh, a love interest or partner and um there's things you can look for to try and so I'm interested, uh, Beth. You're saying you're starting at the yeah. tweens and the teens. So, how do yeah. they? How are they ever? That suggests to me they're in relationships with older people, or is it that they they also already have started to be that controlling person as well at a very young age because they're copying their parents or the the you know multi generational trauma and how that imprints on your brain. So you're already becoming that controlling person because you're seeking control in your life because you don't have anything else. So I'm really curious to know right. when you're in this young, because you're talking about children here. So which yeah. way is it going? Is it older people coming to, to 
take control of the younger kids or is the younger kids already, which I see in, actually at school, younger kids are already taking control of other kids too, aren't they, from yeah. power relationships it's really at home? Right. I mean, it can be both angles, but, um, you know, it's all stems from that early childhood trauma. So, you know, the people that have those unhealthy attachments with their primary caregivers or who have experienced abuse or a lot of um, abandonment, you know, um, there's different ways that it plays out. And that's not to say that everybody who experiences those things turns into an abuser. I'm not saying that by any means, no. but we do know that <clears throat> there's certain patterns in early childhood that, you know, set up people to um, become controlling or need to feel the need to control things and, end up uh, getting those needs met through their relationships. So yeah, it can start from family, you know, intergenerational trauma that's passed down. Maybe they're, um, you know, following the patterns in their family, or maybe it's, you know, something to do with the way they were treated as a child and um, feeling the need to control others out of a, a desperation for, for a feeling of power or control in their lives. So, so, so what does really, it look like um, to, how do you know you're in a tar relationship? Like what are the yeah. first signs for children? So I, I assume that's what you're going to be focusing down on. Right. So, I mean, for children, you know, it's, it starts out really simple. It's about, you know, do, are you surrounding yourself with people who make you feel good inside, who light you up, who motivate you, who inspire you and are and are positive about you and you feel better when you're around them? Or do you spend or are you spending time around children who are putting you down or bullying you or, you know, criticizing you, teasing you? And um and so it's really about teaching children how to discern those those relationships, of course, it's not always possible. Sometimes we're going to be drawn to people that aren't healthy for us. I mean, that happened to me when I was a kid. I was, I was really drawn to my, this girl who was awful to me. She, she really was. Um, and this was a platonic relationship. It wasn't even, you know, a, a romantic relationship. But she, she was definitely abusive towards me, and, um, and I, and I yet felt drawn to her, but and I didn't really know, I really didn't understand or know just like how unhealthy she was for me. And I don't think the adults around me knew either. Like they knew that she was, you know, they knew that she wasn't good for me, but they didn't know how to sort of guide me away from her um, in the way that that needed to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, this, the teasing, the bullying, the, you know, trying to control people, trying to be very, especially with the phones, like expecting them to respond right away. You know, that's, that's always well, that's a red flag. Like if a I, I just watched my daughter do that when she was in tween years in America, mm -hmm. like in Berkeley. And it's about um, red, there's, I wish I knew more about it, but on Snapchat, there's this, you probably know, where you have to like things, like you go on red or green and that means okay. something deep like and they have to do it straight away otherwise it means you're not in the group and that's happening right uh, now and snapchat's one of the biggest things that parents are struggling with for their children tweens anyway yeah and i think like that's you know that's if someone can't respect your boundaries and respect the fact that you know you might not be responding right away like that's that's a sign uh, you know that 
for control over your time and your attention. Um, so trying to teach children that it's okay to to not respond right away, that you can give your give people your boundaries and and let them know that like you'll get back to them, but not on their time schedule and things like that. Um, those are just early signs to sort of pay attention to. Um, that this might is, not. This be... is parents having to pay attention really too, right? Because right, they're, they're right. the people running the household. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, it's complicated. It's it's hard to um to say where it is all starting from, but there's lots of there's lots of psychological influences that create these dynamics, and unfortunately, most of it starts with unhealthy early life relationships. So you yeah, know, that's so maybe that's we the should talk. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. People don't realize how strong uh, parenting plays on the development of the brain. Uh, That's kind of the first chapter in my book is all about being seen as actually at the epicenter of healthy brain and child development, meaning that if a child doesn't feel this is really young, zero to three or even in the womb, and it's also inherited because if you're parents weren't seen by their parents, then that's going to be your baseline starting place anyway. But how parents, caretakers, healthy healthy adults, because it's not everyone has the opportunity to have a parent or whatever. This is just any kind of person that's taking care of a very young brain, really knowing that this ability to hold attention and that a baby feels that attention and that um, that love really does set up the brain pathways in a much more foundational, strong way. And I think people are missing the importance of that. And now people are on their phones as well and think that that a baby won't notice, but a baby can feel the distraction. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. I think we might have touched on this in our last call about, you know, how this constant distraction of the phone is really interrupting attachment, the attachment process that's supposed to be taking place in those early years, um, where in the past, if you were, you know, breastfeeding your child, and they were looking up at you, and you were looking down at them, and you're making, you know, you're sharing eye contact, and, um, you know, really having that intimate moment with one another. Now, you often see moms breastfeeding and looking at their phone, babies still staring at the mom, but the mom is now staring at her phone. And, you know, it's just that shift of, you know, what's more important, you know, they learning early on in life, um, you know, is the world safe? And, and am I safe in the world? Those are the two questions that young children have is, you know, am I safe? And is the world safe? And if we don't have the attention of our primary caregivers, and we're not being seen by our uh, primary caregivers, then it sets off the alarm system in the brain that I'm not safe, that, the, is, that, yeah. that I'm not safe and the world is not safe. Which, and, which um, leads us nicely down the pathway of finding uh, relationships that supposedly make us feel safe and people that want to control people know that in, a, in some intuitive sense. I don't know why, and that's a whole other topic, but that's like honey, yeah. isn't it, to a bee? We are attracted to people mm-hmm. that make us feel good, but they also know that they're, that's the whole gaslighting process. They know who to target because of that reason. Right, right. And, you know, in some ways, 
as you, I mean, we can we can do all the preparation that we want and we can try and prevent these relationships with education. But I mean, in so many situations, it's not enough to stop it from happening. So like, um, I don't want to turn this into, we need to put the pressure on the victim, right. To know no. all this and to be all this, oh, we should be focusing no. on yeah. stopping the predators instead of um, making innocent people protect themselves we should be trying to focus on creating Absolutely. you know healthier safer I, human I, I, beings so they don't have to protect themselves oh, um, absolutely it's horrible it's a lot you know it is yeah it's a lot it shouldn't be on the families all the time and they shouldn't have these yeah. they should there should be just a blanket statement that phones are unsafe in the home right now until tech companies do something but that's really not going to happen so the only education piece that matters right now is to know that this is going on for the families and the parents so at least the awareness is there like smoking you wouldn't imagine giving your cigarette a five-year-old a cigarette right now right. But once upon a time everyone was smoking in the house right <laughs> right so true so I see so this, true. we're in the same category of the public health issue around the phones in the home and, but we're just not, we're at the beginning stages of like a, you know, anti-smoking campaign set up. Like you can't even imagine everyone in your home smoking around all your babies now, can you? No, not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really, it really is uh, such, such a toxic um, part of our everyday life that we take for granted, I think, or we, we ignore, or we're just addicted to ourselves. And, and it's just so hard. It's just so hard to battle it really. I mean, it's coming at you as a parent from every angle. Um, you know, it's, I have an eight year old daughter who's loves, 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 loves her screen time, you know, and it's, it's just tough. It's a constant, constant battle to make sure that she's safe and that she's, um, you know, not using it too much, you know, but using it, you know, somewhat because it's just part, it is somewhat part of their culture, right? As who they are. But in general, as the research papers are coming out, there's now a huge number of research papers starting demonstrating how social media and just the checking behavior changes the brain of children. So that research is going to be that like ACEs and trauma studies, there's now going to be thousands of papers showing this too. So this is not just ne negative Nelly. This is like, do you want your child's brain to be groomed by technology and social media? So social media is so powerful right. to a child's brain. It's so addictive. As you see, as soon as you give them a screen, they go silent, which is why it's such a yeah. good babysitter compared to any other babysitter in the world. <laughs> so yeah. it's just something we've yeah. got to start, you know, knocking the doors raising the alarm bells and just saying, this is not for my child. I don't care what anyone exactly. says. I'm the only one that cares about my child. And so right. let's do it. Everyone, your best-selling book? Oh, yeah. I have a new book coming out. Did I yeah. tell you? Um, so I am a children's book author, and I specialize in the topic of grandparents who are raising their grandchildren for unfortunate circumstances. And I have one book that's sort of, well, it's the first book. It's called A Grand Family for Sullivan. And that book's available on Amazon. And it tells the story of a, a little koala who 
has to live with his grandmother when his parents can't keep him safe. And it's really a book to help children in those situations feel less alone. And it also provides coping skills. And my second book that's going to be out in the next couple of months also will be available on Amazon. And that is a story. It's a sequel to the first Sullivan book, but it stands alone as well. You don't have to read them together. Um, but the second one is about Sullivan going to visit his mama in a supervised visitation center. So for those children who have to visit their parents um, in a social worker's office or some other public space where they're being supervised for safety reasons, um, it's a book to help them cope with that experience and prepare them mentally for, for what it might be like and the feelings that they'll have before, during, and after that experience. So a resource for those families and those we kiddos must, that are really struggling. Really great to talk about how those books have helped people and, and you know, that kind of thing because it's such a critical issue we have here as well. Yeah, that's definitely, it's something that's really just from my own experience, I saw it as a therapist, so many families, so many children that were being raised by their relatives and there just weren't any resources for them. And then typically the biggest challenge for a lot of children in care is when they have to visit their biological parents, it's very re-traumatizing for them and a lot of reason for a lot of different reasons. And so the kinship families and the foster families really struggle after visits, either before or after visits, there's usually a behavioral shift in the child because of you know, the trauma reason. that gets yeah. activated. Right. And so I would hear that over and over again, that that was a, an issue. And so I thought there's no books, there's no books to help families with this topic and maybe I can help. So I, I'm in the process of publishing that book and it's, hopefully going to help some kiddos. And, and if, like you said, if it helps one kid, that's all that matters to me. It's worth it all to me. If it just helps one person. Well, one person so. is big in their world, isn't it? I know you've saved at yeah. least a hand. We just don't know what children you're saving it. You'll never find out the exact numbers, but I, I do know that it, you have a massive influence and I'm really grateful for all the work you're doing in these spaces and thank you for your time, your energy. Thank you. For, and your books. Do you want to tell so Beth, thank you so much for everything you do in your life. Thank you. To put no, children at the center of something that no one wants to talk about. <laughs>